0: Mission sequence start. Three, two, one. Range is hot. Lock and load. It's time for The Gun Rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Gun Rack, the Desert Institute School of Fire Technology's official podcast I'm Josiah Upper. Folks call me Joey. And with me, we have one
0: Drew Poplin.
1: Oh no, we're getting worse with age, but we do have Drew Poplin with us. It's exciting and it's good, but even more exciting than that is what we have coming to you today. Uh, You guys may already be aware of Rick Kasner. I actually don't remember what his title is now because it's constantly changing because he's constantly moving up the ranks. Uh, He was faculty lead back in December when we talked to him a while, and I know for a fact it's changed since then. Um, And all of it well-deserved, guys. Smart, works hard, and uh, he's good with the students. Um, You guys may know him from our YouTube videos, uh, particularly our how-to SDI stuff. Jared McNeely, who is the dean of the School of Arms Technology, uh, does a lot of those, and Rick was there with us. So wealth of knowledge, super great guy. And we got the chance to just sit down with him and talk with him about what he does at SDI and where he's from and all that good stuff. So we're going to get into all of that. But first, we have some clues because Drew Poplin is always on the clues. Drew's clues. What do we have today?
0: Yes, sir. So last week, the answer to Drew's clues was the Taurus Judge. Taurus
1: Judge. Lovely gun.
0: Very, very lovely. This week, however... We have a gun that's maybe not so lovely, a gun that, in fact, is no longer being produced. Oof. Uh, F in the chat, boys. Yes. Um, to make it even worse, and this can be your first clue or your second, depending on how you viewed my last statement, uh, this gun was conceived in 2010.
1: Oh, so it didn't last long at all.
0: No, no not at all
1: capital Uh, f in the chat boys yeah
0: and instead of saying is i guess this should be saying was um so this was a grenade launcher that fired 25 by 40 millimeter rounds uh it had a four-round detachable box magazine feed system and on april 5th 2017 the u.s army terminated its contract with blank company citing the failure to deliver the 20 additional prototypes or offer any suitable replacement. Basically the Oof. big, se- yeah, basically the big selling point was that it was, um, it was to make cover obsolete. What is this firearm? You tell us.
1: I actually don't know what that one is, but you know what that reminded me of? What? when The way you said it is, you know, the second a celebrity passes away um and you hop on the internet to see if it's true and wikipedia has already changed the is to was uh, on oh their profile no. but, that that's what you just reminded me of with this particular <laughs> firearm i don't mean to disparage any of the deceased but you were awful quick to bury them drew is
0: is the point i'm trying to make oh well don't put this on me
1: you
0: drew the parallels i'm just i'm I'm giving the clues. I drew the parallels, but you ran
1: those parallels
0: into the ground.
1: Into the ground. But stay tuned. Next week, we'll be giving you the answer to that trivia question, uh, because true Poplin is always on the clues. Drews clues. Before we get into the Rick Casper episode here, uh, there's one more thing I would like to have the chance to share with you guys. Are you interested in a career in firearms technology? Well, we have a school that might be able to help you with that. Craft Your Firearms Future with Sonoran Desert Institute. Uh, SDI, as it is affectionately known as, has two main programs of study within the School of Firearms Technology. There's a Certificate of Firearms Technology Gunsmithing and the Associate of Science in Firearms Technology. SDI is an accredited school, and it is eligible for most TA and VA benefits you can file a fafsa for us you can use most of those things uh, and you can come and get an excellent education with sonoran desert institute now without any further ado let's get into what rick kasner has to say okay everyone i am here today with not only drew who has committed hair crimes but also Rick Kasner, who has uh, is late of fame with our YouTube video series. Um, if you've not seen those, uh, most of them are under how to SDI. But if you go on the YouTube channel, uh, hop on YouTube, look up Sonora Desert Institute. We are there. Uh, Rick Kasner's in quite a few of those, and they are all uh, a lot of fun. So check those out. How are you doing, Rick? Doing good. Happy to be with you guys. Good. We are glad you're here. Before we get any further, Drew, I need the detail. For those of you who can't see, right? Uh, some of you may be listening to this uh, on an audiogram where you see Drew's hair as as what I would call normal, maybe. Um, and now...
0: It's a black and white photo.
1: It's a black and white photo, but I think you know. <laughs> There's a grayscale in there, and it is black on the grayscale. Yeah. What has transpired on top of your head drew can you describe this to an a audio medium
0: yeah i can give it my best shot um you know part of me wants to lie and say it was a uh like a tragic laundry accident um <laughs> just yeah i was reaching for the bleach on the upper shelf and it just kind of fell on me and uh it didn't turn me into a superhero like i thought it would just turn my hair blonde but um no what happened was this weekend um Today I had to take my uh, my girlfriend to uh, for her wisdom teeth removal, uh, and so she kind of been nervous about it. You know, she never had a uh, kind of procedure like that done before, so I was trying to think of like some fun things we could do. And my hair was starting to get really shaggy, so I thought, hey, you know, she said she would be interested in giving me a haircut at some point. So yeah, I brought that up, and then just sort of in the spirit of the conversation my bright mind decided that um hey what if we also just colored it why not and um two days later here we are and um i'm looking like a golden ray of sunshine you are hey indeed. you know you
2: know what it's not too bad though because i remember back in the day with the uh, boy bands um back oh. in the early 90s when everyone was uh, tipping their hair you know oh my <laughs> gosh. Get the frosted and you have tips that that sun in stuff i think it was called mm-hmm. sun in mm-hmm. and, you decidedly that do not have
1: frosted tips
2: yeah i had frosted i frosted my tips oh, but i'm no. but i'm a, i have brown hair so it turned into yours is actually quite blonde compared to what mine turned into mine turned into a real orange color yeah. so. it
0: like i i Philly you there i did the frosted tips uh in the middle of my chubby stage and like oh, three uh so it was just uh, all around not a good show me my mom got like one of those cheap walmart kits it was like yeah. oh, i might I'm be sorry,
1: vulnerable sorry. because i'm still technically in my chubby stage um
0: yeah see you're gonna you're gonna go out and do it <laughs> tonight huh yep. yeah we'll get you a kit we'll get you a kit
1: joey i'm glad that you said that you dyed your hair in the spirit of things because your are the top of your head looks ghostly at at this point <laughs> <Yeah>. in time <laughs> but no i i If there is a time to dye your hair any color, doing it in heroic sacrifice to save your girlfriend from her anxiety is about the best way to get that done. So respect to you for for innovating some fashion change with some with some shaggy bleach blonde hair right now. (laughs) We need to get some like red roots in there. Mm, kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. A little, little spring strawberry sunshine. <laughs> All right. So that's enough dissecting Drew's hair, which is still flowing and, and, and voluptuous. So let's not get our wires crossed here. But uh, so, Rick, um, how have you been since uh, since last we spoke, which was back in uh, December at the at the video shoot?
2: Been doing good. Um, been busy. So I just changed positions. I'm now working with uh, the curriculum department. Um, writing some new, exciting curriculum coming up. Can't probably, or probably can't share much more than that. Sure. But um, good things are coming to the curriculum uh, that future students will see and, or current students will see very soon. And um, so, yeah, prior to that, I was teaching. Uh just instructing courses and that was a lot of fun. But I'm excited for the new position. So
1: yeah. Rick is taking a journey currently through ostentatious titles. Um <laughs> when he first started out at SDI, I think you were just like faculty, right? Or adjunct faculty, one Ad- of the two. Yep.
2: Adjunct, yep.
1: Yeah. And then I imagine you came on full time at one point. So you you upgrade to faculty, and then you turned into faculty lead, um, or as I like to call it lead faculty. Uh-huh. Um, and now you are the chair of, I've already forgotten the second half of your title, but it's it's,
2: it's program chair school of firearms technology, because
1: we have the new new school, which is the drone pilot, right. school. So yeah, the school of unmanned technology, but you dwell within the school of firearms technology and your yeah. titles get fancier and fancier. Although I think if you go up any higher, we're going to have to get bigger business cards. Um, longer, longer, yeah, longer, ones. yeah. At least, yeah, they can't be like credit card size, they have to be slightly uh, wider. Well, but, it'll
2: it'll separate me, right? It'll,
1: yeah, it'll <laughs>
2: differentiate.
1: Yeah, I do have a friend who did their business cards uh, sideways so that if they were trying to make a pile of them and readability, one of them would be sticking out. I don't know if that worked for them or not, but it's an interesting concept, anyway. Um, so. You've been how long have you been here now, Rick, in some capacity or other?
2: Uh, so I started with SDI uh, in November
1: 2018. Oh, okay, it's almost exactly when I came on. Um, awesome. So you taught as adjunct for a while. How long was it before you came on full time?
2: Uh, so came on full time July 2019, the end of July of 2019. Oh, so not about. Too long at all eight, nine months. What is that? Yeah. I can't do the math in my head right now, but about
1: that. (laughs) Uh, When you came on as adjunct, were there particular classes you like specialized in, or were you doing a little bit of everything?
2: Um, Yeah. When I came on, I did the basic course, which was FTT 100. So Mm -hmm. that's basic firearm skills course. And then um, I think that I moved on to FTT 111, which is troubleshooting. Right. Firearms, ma- malfunction, troubleshooting. Um, and then, since then, I've taught a lot of the courses uh, at SDI. There's a few that I haven't, like the Kydex labs, um, muzzle loader lab, um, things like that. But all the electives, which are the AR 15, AR 10, AR 9, the 1911 when we had it. Um, and then,
1: um, yeah cool. And when you came on full-time, did you kind of do more of the same or did you branch out a little bit? Uh, yeah, that's when I
2: started branching out and doing different things, um, filling in when, wherever I was needed. Um, so yeah, just cause I have the background, um, t- in a, in a wide array of that stuff. So I was able to fill in where I was needed.
1: Yeah, actually, speaking of that, that's a pretty good excuse to get into this. What was your background like before you got into SDI, um, just personally, and then also kind of as it corresponds to farms technology?
2: Well, going back, I guess all the way. I mean, as a as a young child or a youth, I guess um, I grew up hunting with my dad, um, and that's pretty much all I knew about firearms is you pull the trigger and it's, it's a tool at that point, you know, you aim and you pull the trigger in and you harvest meat and that's all there is to it. It's just like a hammer. You you have it for a means to an end, you get things done. Um, but I would say later in my teenage years, probably when I was about 16, I got more into it. Um, just as like a sports thing, um, we'd just go out with my friend and we would go we would go shoot out in the desert. I grew up in Reno, Nevada. And, um, but I didn't really, I mean, I liked it. I liked working with my hands, but I didn't really get into it too much. When I got, uh, when I turned, I think 21, 21 or 22, I think it was, um, I met and married my wife and I, uh, you know, it's kind of, she was going to law school and, uh, and I was kind of going through that whole, I need to figure out what I'm doing with myself. I'm married to a girl that's going to law school and I have yeah. no clue what I'm going to do with my life. So, you know, I was, I was working, in, you know, just a, a cabinet shop at the time. And, uh, and I really liked that. I like working with wood. I love this. That's where I developed my love of the smell of, Cut cut walnut if that makes sense. Like when you're cutting wood and you you cut walnut, it just has a beautiful smell to it. Anyway, it, it made me obsessed with working with wood. Um, so about that time, I started looking into. I I started trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I uh, and I found gunsmithing, and and that sounded that seemed really appealing to me because it it combined. The outdoors. It, com- it combined working with wood, working with metal, working with your hands. Um, so really, everything I I was really interested in. And so I found the Colorado School of Trades in Lakewood, Colorado, and went there. Graduated, and um, after graduating from that from that school, I worked at a place called U.S. Ordnance for a few years, and uh, where we built uh, for you, well, foreign and domestic militaries, we built the M60 machine gun and the M2, the Modus. Um, so, and I specialized in the M2. Um, that was a lot of fun. And then after that, we had our first child and I, we moved back to Colorado to be close to my wife's family. And, uh, so I had to quit my job at the, doing the, uh, building the machine guns, but that gave me an opportunity to, um, open up my own business in Colorado in Littleton, Colorado, teaching concealed carry classes at the same time as working, um, as a seasonal park ranger at a place called Chatfield Reservoir. That was a lot of fun, but I, but I got the desire to go back and, and pursue my education further. Um, and specifically in education, higher education. So, so I went back to school, got my batch, my bachelor's degree during that time. I couldn't get guns out of my brain. Every, everything that I did, every project, you know, it uh, was firearms related. My professors, it drove them absolutely crazy, but you know, they, they were good. And, uh, so after the bachelor's degree, I, uh, you know, I worked as a gunsmith during the bachelor's degree and, and, uh, Uh, for some time and then did some firearms training things like that and then I went on and got a master's degree in education as well and then after the master's degree I started working at a a new large um, indoor shooting range as their academy director so I set up different training programs um designed different training programs with other subject matter experts in the field and um And that was really a really rewarding experience learning how to set the programs up, design the curriculum, uh, facilitate the programs, train faculty or train uh, instructors and uh, get the instructors, the training they needed from other subject matter experts. So flying them, you know, around the country to, to, to receive training that they needed. And after that, Uh, I found SDI and, and we've talked about that. So, so a lot of different experiences, firearms training, force on force training uh, for law enforcement, civilian uh, force on force training, and then uh, guns, regular mom and pop gunsmithing, and then also military arm gunsmithing. So a lot of different things. Yeah, seriously.
1: So what does a, faculty lead do uh as compared to uh, a full-time faculty member faculty
2: so yeah full-time faculty we we would instruct courses and you have just a large you have about 120 students um as a full-time faculty and the faculty lead is really kind of the quality assurance the trainers of the faculty so if so as faculty are onboarded. We take the faculty, um, under our wings. We'll train faculty and keep them, uh, doing what they need to do and in, in the classroom and, and, make sure expectations are met and make sure that the classrooms are being facilitated
1: as they should be. So. Excellent. Yeah. So while you're doing that, are you also teaching or are you like just training?
2: Yeah. The, the load is cut down to about 75 students. Um, At that point, because then you also are doing the training of the faculty. So So about that would be about three classes. So you'd have about five classes if it's a full cohort Mm -hmm. class. And um, as a as a full time faculty, you would have about five. And then as a faculty lead, you would have about three.
1: Okay, so a little bit more than half of your time is teaching and then just a little bit less of half your time is developing new folks. Yep. Okay. So now you're up to the program chair, which we talked, you know, is kind of related to curriculum, but can you kind of get into the nitty gritty of what you do? I know you can't talk about like specifics of what we've made lately, but just kind of whatever you can. Yeah. It's,
2: it's not, it's not just throwing curriculum at the wall, like spaghetti noodles is whatever sticks. It's really, Putting yourself in the shoes of a student, which I have been because I've been to gunsmithing school, I know how. And even it, through the bachelor's and the master's degree, I know how a student, you know, at least from my perspective, should receive the information. So it's really designing the curriculum to bring that student, um, the curriculum, in a way that will be beneficial for them to become gunsmiths, to become leaders in the industry um to be to to develop the new cutting edge technology that we hope to see coming out and um to be the next john browning i guess is all i can say about that that's what i'm hoping for is the next john browning is an sdi grad so that would be incredible so yeah so it's just i guess it's just putting myself in the mindset of the student and just saying how would i want to receive this information Based off of the experiences I've had, what would I have changed about my experiences, my, my educational experiences, and how could I have made those better? Well, let's do that here. Mm-hmm. And I have an awesome team
0: to be able to work with. So, Fantastic. Um, Rick, if you don't mind uh, me asking some questions. So you said it was around December that you transitioned into this new position, correct? Mm-hmm. I just want to you know, maybe go into some detail about like what that experience was like, uh, transitioning between the different roles, maybe, you know, some things that uh, caught you off guard about joining a new position or, you know, having this sort of new experience. Yeah. I think that, I think that the uh,
2: hard thing when you, and I think that's applicable to anybody listening to this that are, that's thinking about, um, getting making their hobby a career you have to be careful to not burn yourself out and so you have to because it's very very easy to to start hating your your hobby let's let's take mechanics for example because I had a friend who uh well he he was a friend's dad but I but he was telling me one time he said Rick don't make your hobby, your a career. And I've kind of done that, but I'm trying to keep his, his wisdom too. Cause he was a, he was a mechanic and he opened up a shop and, um, he, uh, he ended up hating, like hating, even touching guns after or at, cars, sorry, mechanic for, for vehicles. Um, after a while he started hating, even working on them because it was day in day out, dealing with customers that were, you know, sometimes their customers can be a pain. And, uh, if you're going to make gunsmithing, if you want to love it and you want, and this is from my perspective, obviously there's always different personalities. People can do different things, but from my experience, if you're going to get into gunsmithing, you already have a a passion for it. You already love firearms and you don't want to burn yourself out of that hobby. I think that that's where you, um, you a need to pace yourself. You don't, you don't want to go and do your, you know, work a a gunsmithing shop and do that all during the day. And then when you get off, go and do work with firearms. You have to have a balance in your life. You have to go and play with your kids on the playground, go fly kites, go swim, go kayak, go snowboard, whatever um get get out of that mindset for a little while or else you'll just be into it too much and it'll burn you out um also it's important to have your own projects uh when you're working on a customer's firearm it's real it's really hard to be creative and uh th- i mean they right now i'm working on a, a Winchester 94 for a customer and it's a restore a full restoration job so we're inletting the stock. We're going to redo the, uh, refinish the, the metal work and, um, and there's real, no, really no creativity because I have to keep it as, as close to, to uh, factory specs as I can get it. And, uh, and it's kind of, you know, eh, it's all right. It's <laughs> not the love of my life. You know, it's not the passion. But if that were, now you turn that into my gun, if I, if that were my gun, then I could be going, I could be very creative with it. What I do with the firearm, Uh, I could be creative with how long it takes me. I mean, it could take me a year and I don't care. Um, because, you know, as I think of things, sometimes that's, you got to let things fester for a little while of, uh, you say, Oh, you know what? Oh, it'd be cool to do this. And then, you go and do that and then you say okay I want to hold off on this project for a little while because I want to let the creative juices flow again and then I'll do this and then I'll do this I just finished a um a project that I've been working on for like 10 years of my own gun that's and that's usually the life of a gunsmith you work on your own projects but those those projects take forever because it, you're doing other things um but I w- I built my own remington 700 off of remington 700 300 wind mag um but i just got done with you know totally doing a, a stock from 100 percent you know incomplete wood that to to an inletted stock and everything and it was just enjoyable it was a lot of fun for me to do that so i think i think that that's the biggest thing is to answer your question more thoroughly more directly, I guess, from to transition into this new job working curriculum, it would be really easy for me to burn myself out because I love every second of it, you know? And <laughs> it's almost to the point on Saturdays. Saturday, Saturday I don't work on weekends. That's a big thing that I I I commit to myself that I don't do any work on weekends because I I need to spend time with my family but Saturday comes around and I'm still thinking about it. And it kind of drives me nuts that I don't work on Saturday because I want to do my work, but I have to be strict with myself and and shut the computer off. And I'm not going to do any of that curriculum work because I want to do it for a long time. Well,
0: you know, I'm kind of glad that you went uh, in that direction though, because uh, you just, from a personal standpoint, I know that I uh, that's happened to me before and i'm sure a lot of people that are listening probably can relate to it too since you're still doing some teaching is there going to be uh anything from your old position you feel that you're going to miss uh now that oh. you're transitioning in
2: well okay so as far as teaching goes as far as faculty lead goes, I'm gonna miss my, the team I worked with. Um, obviously, I'll still see my team. I'll see those, those employees. I loved them to death. I loved the whole team. They were awesome. Um, the, the, whole, the whole team of SDI, just in general, I would say, the Sonoran Desert Institute is just an awesome place to work for. Um, it really is like a family. Um, at least to me and uh, we get together once a year in person um, some for some people it's more than once a year but but there's something we call uh the summit where it's all the employees get together and and uh, we get together for two days um it's been in arizona for the last couple of months or last couple of years but that's a lot of fun uh just seeing everybody and being around each other. And it really is like a family. So that's what I love the most. So yeah, the biggest thing as far as faculty lead that I'm going to miss, well, I can't say I will miss my team, but I love, I'm a teacher through and through. I, I love sharing my perspective. I love, (laughs) this is going to sound new agey to probably some of the listeners, but, uh, I love sharing love, you know, and that's, uh, and that's uh, what I can do as a, as a teacher. That's what I was able to do as a faculty lead through mentorship of new faculty is to really care about somebody, to care about their experience and to care about who they want to become and what I can do to facilitate that growth so that they can become who they, who they wanted to be. Um, what, what, um, professional growth do they want and how can I facilitate that? And it's kind of the same as a, as a teacher, uh, in the classroom, I, I look at my students and and I want to give them all that they need to, to be successful. And, um, I want to be a friend uh, with, with them. Sometimes that's at, through hard love, you know, they don't, <laughs> they don't like the comments or the feedback they get, but I, you know, I can remember specifically there were quite a few times in my bachelor's and master's degree. I didn't get feedback that I necessarily enjoyed on my, my schoolwork um, specifically, actually one of my professors when I was writing our thesis, it's the class that we, we took for kind of preparing our, us for our thesis and she was hard. She was really hard on us about uh, the English, you know, uh, our, our English that we're using, our punctuation. You know, we're going back to grade school at this point and relearning stuff. And you feel like an idiot. Mm-hmm. And I love her to death. She she was hardcore. And but she she taught me more than anybody else. It, during my whole time in my collegiate experience and because she really, really drove us hard and she, she cared about us and that's, a, that's what a teacher should do. So I think that's what I'm going to miss the most as far as faculty lead, but then also, like you said, I'll have, still have some experiences teaching. So I'll still have that time in the classroom that I really enjoy the students. I really enjoy their interaction and, in, and interacting with them.
0: I know some um, some people have ended up teaching. They kind of can, you know. Sometimes they look back, and there is a. Uh, by the way, you know, you're saying um, you don't want to get too new agey. You're talking to a guy with like beach blonde hair now, so you know, don't don't be <laughs> stressing about that. Was there a teacher that you had growing up uh, that? maybe even looking back, you can say, hey, you know what, this person kind of inspired me, or like, you know, you mentioned the teacher uh, that you had in college, uh, just a little bit ago, how there was a little inspiration taken there in terms of, you know, hey, sometimes I need to be hard on my students. So I, you know, so we can get the best out of them. Uh, Are there any other teachers from your past that you felt like, yeah, I kind of want to copy maybe a little bit of this or a little bit of this.
2: I think of Mr. Coley. He was my sixth grade teacher and same, same story. Like he was super hard. Like he was a gruff kind of cranky old man, but it's exactly what I needed in that life. You know, like when I was a kid, I needed a lot of discipline. Um, I was kind of one of those fidgety kids in, in school, like, that drove the teachers absolutely crazy because my hands wouldn't stop moving. And you would, you would have called me ADHD. In fact, everybody called me ADHD. (laughs) Um, you know, you have those teachers, you have teachers that are just there, they're making money and that's all that it is to them. But then there's those teachers that really, really love the people that they're serving and they want them to be the best. And Mr. Coley was that, um, he he gave me a love for spelling um i think that was the biggest thing is spelling the english language um which serves me to this day i love writing i love um you know i just love writing and, and being creative with written word but um he gave me that inspiration to be able to to do it to to believe that i could actually do it that i had
0: talent uh, we talked about uh, a couple of the videos you were in um, and um, this December we had a range day. Yeah. Uh, would you mind just kind of like talking about that for a little bit? Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. So we flew out. So it was, uh, it was myself and then Jared McNeely, who's the Dean of school, of uh, the school of firearms technology. Um, and then we also had Mr. Guns and Gear, Mike from Mr. Guns and Gear come. And that was yeah. a really good experience to, and then, and then to be with the other other parts of the team that you didn't see in front of the camera, but mm-hmm. uh, they were a lot of fun. Joey was there. Yeah, we just we, it was a it was a good experience to put out some content. I hope that the that the listeners of this podcast will also view that view that content, give us some feedback of how it can improve in the future. Um, mm-hmm. But we just we were trying to give some some quality maybe a little bit of a teaser, um, of what you would learn, you know, if you came to STI, obviously we're not going to spill all the beans, but just oh. to give you kind of an, uh, a, uh, a, a taste of what you can experience if you come to SDI for, for an education. And like I said, I've experienced, uh, going to a brick and mortar school, which was, uh, which was the Colorado school of trades out in Lakewood, Colorado. And I loved it. And I also had experience with, uh, with uh, Trinidad Community College, which is another gunsmithing. Well, they have a gunsmithing program down uh, in Trinidad, Colorado, just south of of, uh, the Colorado School of Trades by a couple hours. And um, I I went there for a couple seminars. And so I experienced that a little bit. Um, But coming to the coming to Sonoran Desert Institute and being able to teach here and and see the the community that we have here um, I'm really excited for what SDI has moving forward what I'm able to be a part of now in the curriculum department and I hope that um, those prospective students who are listening will give SDI a, uh, a consideration and those former students or even the current students will keep looking at what SDI has coming in the future. And uh, we have some exciting stuff and we'd love for you to return for maybe just one off classes if you want after you've already received your certificate or your associate's degree. Um, Maybe you wanna come back for more hard hitting classes, more deep dive classes that we have going. And um, so keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, I guess that's my, my parting words.
0: Um, to, to share. I don't want to take up all your time today. Um, mm-hmm. Again, thank you for, um, you know, coming on and agreeing to do this. Um, the last question I have is, um, I don't know if you've been listening, but uh, lately we've been kind of trying to add some segmentation to uh, the podcast. One segment that we have is called Tales from the Range. Just out of curiosity, uh, is there a funny range story that you could think of?
2: I, I, I guess so. I, I, I fear sharing this one because um, I don't know if the people involved would ever listen to this podcast. Oh no! I, uh, it was, it was when we were when I was working at the the range that I was talking about earlier and uh, where I was the academy director, but we were, we were kind of puzzled because right in front of the booth, the ceiling, the baffle right in front of the booth kept getting shot up. Of course, obviously that's a, that's a a big safety hazard, right? (laughs) They shooting the ceiling right in front of the booth and we thought it was deliberate. And so we're like, okay, whoever this is, we're going to, kick them off the range forever because mm-hmm. it's ridiculous I, I don't know if it's funny really <laughs> but and you know everyone was worked up before this they're like whoever this is what are you know they're they're <laughs> you know angry yeah yeah and we go back to the cameras and we see one of our best our favorite customers uh come up into the booth that that's getting all shot to pieces <laughs> and we loved her to death and uh and so everyone's like oh no not her not yeah, hopefully it's not her you know <laughs> what do we do if it's her and it you know lo and behold it be, it was her but she wasn't deliberately shooting the, the booth she was just shooting a huge revolver and was not not uh using the best form and so she kept yeah her muzzle she, she was letting her muzzle flip up and I don't know what it was like, I don't know how, how that happens because her form was really bad. (laughs) So (laughs) to, to let the, to let the muzzle rise that, that drastically to shoot Mm -hmm. the boots right in front multiple times, like it was, and it was like, I think a Smith and Wesson 500 or 460 or something like that. It was Mm -hmm. really But yeah, like, I mean, it put big dents in the carrier and, and in the rail and in the baffles right in front. So, I mean, it was significant damage. And, uh, so anyway, but, but once we saw it was her, we were like, okay, everyone chill out because we're not going to be super Mm -hmm. aggressive. (laughs) So, So it was kind of like a humbling. We're all sitting in the office and, uh, and, uh, watching the, the security camera and, and uh and then you know a silence fell on all of us once we realized who it was so anyway i think there's a lot of funny funny things that happen like that and i guess Mm -hmm. it could always be funny as long as you know it was and it was taken care of in the long run we we pulled her aside and talked to her about it and it was Mm -hmm. fine but you gave her a little bit extra training and stuff like that trying to be the nicest we could at the same time but But as long as things are taken care of, you know, some things are going to happen on the range. And as long as they're taken care of safely and and, um, quickly, then Mm -hmm. you can can usually laugh about it afterward, but in the moment, it might not be very laughable.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I think she was just trying to improve like air circulation. Maybe she was just getting a little warm in there and just like, you know, if I just let it raise a little bit, you just get a little.
2: Yeah, I'm still baffled as to how that happened because I mean, you think about how fast the bullet exits that gun um, mm-hmm. for for that for that bullet to hit the baffle right in front of the and she it wasn't like she was flipping the gun up mm-hmm. right before because usually <laughs> if somebody's nervous about the gun they're going to pull the gun down before they pull the trigger mm-hmm. and they usually miss low um, so she would. If she was nervous, she would be hitting the floor more more frequently than hitting the ceiling. But, yeah, so I'm still kind of baffled as to how that even happened. But
0: just very, very poor form. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, I was good getting to talk to you. I hope uh, i hope to talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you so much.
2: Talk to you me. have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.
0: All right. And so that was our talk with Rick. Uh, I had a great time uh, kind of finishing that up. Joey, thank you for being a part of that, though. Uh, Absolutely. We missed you that second half.
1: It was a great time. Unfortunately, I had another meeting to attend, but uh, it was a pleasure to get to catch up with Rick as always. Um, One of my favorite moments so far in all of my content uh, creation kind of history at SDI was stumbling out of the lodge where we were filming a lot of our YouTube videos that have been coming out over this year. And I was in this weird, uncomfy bed and therefore did not sleep very much. And I came out all red eyed and just like the eye bags and Rick who had been in front of the camera all day and therefore doing twice as much work as I had just came out bouncing. I'm pretty sure flowers sprung up with his steps as he left. Then he saw me haggard and miserable and he smiled at me and clapped me in the shoulder and he said, you good? And I was like, no, he's got a lot of energy, that one. Um, but as he included a tale from the range in his story, uh, we are going to be counting that as our tale, tale from the range this week. It's all going to be on Rick. So... That is going to do it for us for this episode, unless Drew, you have anything to share with these good people?
0: Not at all. Um, last thing I want to say is, uh, Carolina Panthers going to the Super Bowl, baby, going to the Super Bowl. We are we're not, but
1: we're all we need is a new quarterback, some more uh, skill position players, and some rule changes, um, and and we'll be well on our way.
0: Yeah, well, we got some talented guys. Um, if they just knew how to play football, we'd be in good shape.
1: Yeah, that's the trick. Um, but for now, <laughs> that is the gun rack.
0: Carolina wreck. Panthers, if you're listening, uh, I love you guys. I'd love to uh, love to work with you. I'd love to have you on the podcast, and yeah. I mean nothing by those criticisms.
1: That is the gun rack of all of our listeners. Uh, our listeners are too well educated and too well rounded to be Panthers fans they take care of themselves and are passionate about knowledge and learning
0: if you're a panthers fan and you're a fan of the gun wreck just hit us up on social media and let me know you got my back
1: whatever man that's the gun wreck stay safe out there we'll see you at the
0: range sonoran desert institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. it is headquartered at 1555 west university drive in tempe arizona For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.